0: Good day, Harbor Church. It's Sean Boss coming to you again live from the comfort of my living room with the blessing of of being able to bring our message of encouragement for for this week. You may be sitting there thinking or excited that we might be launching a new series this week. And I just have a few things I want to say on that. The first is that we will be launching a new series, but it won't won't start until next week. Pastor Braden will be launching a, a new series next week that's going to do a deep dive on the gospel, And I don't want to say any more on that because Braden's going to fill us in on everything when he launches that series next week for us. But that leaves us with an open week. It leaves us with an opportunity where we could could go and look at the Bible and seek encouragement in light of of what we're going through today. Uh, Thinking about everything that we're going through today, I... I thought and felt that this week would be an absolutely beneficial week to look at what God's Word has to say about hardship. Those times in our life when our world turns upside down and we don't expect it. Often hardship comes like that. We never see it coming. And it leaves us often wondering, what is God up to? Is God present? Is God there? You know, Looking at what we're going through today and what the future might hold, we're we're faced with a lot of uncertainty. The times definitely look scary and I'm sure if you had your chance, you'd all have stories to share. When I think about uncertainty in my life and, and, and when I remember my world first being up, turned upside down, it takes me all the way back to when I had just turned 14 years old. I was at the Y, I was swimming with some friends. When my brother came and he told me he was dressed, so he wasn't there to swim. He came to the swimming area and he told me, Sean, you gotta get up, we gotta go, you gotta go now. And <laughs> thankful for the opportunity to have an argument with my brother, I said, I'm not going anywhere, what are you talking about? And he, and he used some rather colorful language in persuading me to get out of the pool because we had to go. So I did listen, I got dried off and I got changed and when I made my way out of the doors of the Y, I, I found myself going to or, or getting into a car that had my aunt, my mother, and my brother in several bags that were packed with all our belongings. You see, the reality was we, we, we lived in a very dysfunctional home and my mom realized that it was, it was necessary for us to, to get out of that environment and she took the steps needed to, to look after what was gonna be an uncertain future. It was at that moment that I found out we were, we were on our way to a shelter where we stayed for several months and from there, you know, our, our life continued. But thinking about uncertainty, that, that's probably the memory I have that comes to my mind first. But when I flash forward or when I, when I move forward all the way to today, I still face times of uncertainty. Matter of fact, this week, I just, I just recently found out this week, as well as a few employees that report to me, that we were going to be losing our jobs. Our jobs were going to be coming to an end on, on April the 30th. And uh, after that point, we weren't going to have employment. So when I combine that, when I combine that with a global pandemic that we find ourselves in today, the whole world seems like it's upside down. It definitely seems scary. And truthfully speaking, looking at the history or looking at the course of human history and using the Bible as probably the most accurate book or accurate um Accurate content for what took place over the course of human history. One of the things that we realize is that wars and famines and plagues and 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 pestilences and hardships, they were a part of life over the course of its entirety. But thankfully, looking at God's word, we also see powerful truths that enable us to endure, that enable us to stay calm and have peace while at the same time responding and helping those in their time of need. Turning to our scripture, and the section of scripture that's gonna serve as the context for our message today, we're looking at 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 14. And you can follow along via the screen I have beside me or you can read from your Bible. But that scripture verse says, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice, inasmuch as you anticipate in the sufferings of Christ, or participate rather in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. This is our context scripture for today, and. In looking at the commentary that was written about this context, or about this scripture, Peter's actually writing to churches and to believers, and to people who have walked through fiery trials, who have been enduring hardship and who are being tested, and they're doing this through faith. They're enduring persecution while maintaining faith. He encourages them to know that this is a chance for them to prove themselves faithful, not just to God, but also to themselves so that they know in Christ they can do it. It assures them that they'll get through it. And you may be thinking, Sean, this is a section of scripture that talks about persecution. We're here enduring hardship. You know, what is it that we're going to learn from this scripture? And I want want you to understand that it's an understanding, not just this scripture, but the entire letter that Peter wrote to the church and to believers in 1 Peter. We call it a book of the Bible, but the reality is, is it's Peter's first letter to the churches and to Christians. And when we look at it as a whole, there are a few themes that are in this book. The first theme is, is the theme, <clears throat> excuse me, is the theme of hardship while at the same time revealing this theme of holiness. It's, it's a letter about this reality of, of holiness in the face of hardship. In Peter, Peter knows that in Christ we can maintain holiness regardless of what's going on around us. Peter knows the value of being tested. And in particular, the tests that God gives us. It's, it's tests that, that, um, that were spoken about by Paul. Because when we go through and we endure tests, they produce things in us. They produce qualities that are beneficial for us. And Paul spoke about these qualities. And I believe Paul or Peter was fully aware of what Paul spoke of. Because Paul's letter to the Romans, which is where we find them, was written several years before Peter wrote his letter to the churches. And when we read in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, which we'll see on the screen beside us, this is what Paul wrote. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, your faith is secure. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace, in which we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of god not only so but we also glory in our sufferings this idea of rejoicing and finding joy in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, when Peter was writing his letter, he would have been aware of these words that Paul wrote and he would have agreed with them. I'm confident that these words may very well have been on Peter's mind as he started to write his letter. And as he started to put his letter of encouragement for the churches and for us to read. And that is why our context scripture in chapter 4 of verse Peter is applicable for us today. And there are a few reasons as to why that I want to highlight, and then I'm going to elaborate them, elaborate on them a little, fir- a little more as we go along. The first reason that I feel 1 Peter chapter 4 is applicable is because it serves as a reminder that as Christians, we will face hardships. We're going to go through fiery trials. And it's It's the same kind of, we shouldn't be surprised, because like I said, when we look at the course of history, and and most importantly, biblical history, we see hardships and trials. Looking at Moses and the Israelites wandering around in the desert for 40 years, there was hardship. Fast forward to Jesus' day, and it was definitely a fiery trial that he endured that led all the way to the cross, and for our benefit, the empty tomb, securing our justification and our right standing with God. And there were also hardships and trials that the early church faced, unbelievable trials that are outlined in many of the areas or all of the areas of the New Testament. And for us today, it's no different and nor should we expect it to be. The second reason why I find our context verse practical for us today is in relation to our response as Christians. Peter is saying that we should not respond as if something bad is happening or unexpected or, or what's happening to us isn't fair. The reality is, is that when you look at the Word of God, you won't find fairness at all listed as a characteristic or an attribute of God. God's metric doesn't, metrics don't contain fairness in His system. And thankfully so, because if God treated us fairly, And if we got what we deserved as a result of our sin, none of us would be saved. So I'm absolutely thankful for that. So knowing that, how do we respond? The last thing I want to finish with, or the last thing I want to highlight, is this joy. This this joy that we can find in hardship. Yes, church, there is joy that can be found in hardship and in testing and in going through it. So in coming back and unpacking these three aspects that I wanna dive into, the first one is a reminder of of the fact that we do and will face fiery trials and that it shouldn't come as a surprise. But there are assurances in Christ that can give us hope. It's in times like these now that I always find it important for us to reflect and remember on the characteristics of God, if we're going to have hope and be at peace with the fact that hardship will come our way. Looking at what we know about God and the characteristics of God, we're camping on truth, and when we have truth, it definitely makes us more confident in how we can respond. And The first area that I want to talk about is this fact that God knows, this truth that God knows. God is omniscient, which means he knows everything. He knows our past, he knows our present, and he knows our future. He knows more than just what's going on in the world that he created. He knows what's going on everywhere because he is the author of all creation. Psalm 147 verse 4, which you'll see on the screen here, is, says that he counts the number of the stars. He gives names to all of them. He knows all of creation. He also knows what's going on with our bodies, right down to the hairs on our head. He made us. Matthew 10 verse 30 says that the the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So biologically, he's aware of what's going on. He also knows what's going on our minds. Psalm 139 verse 4 says, Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. And he knows the fears of our hearts. He knows those things that keep us up at night and keep us fearful of and uncertain of what lies ahead. First John verse 30 or first John chapter three, verse 20 says in whatever our heart condemns us, any of those areas where Satan would like to keep you held captive in fear. God is greater than our heart and knows all things. I could go on and on about this. We could do many sermons on on God's omniscience. I'm highlighting some verses so that we can know there is peace and assurance, which gives us confidence going into the next point that I want to expand on. In that truth that God is in control and that we can trust God. A former pastor and good friend of mine named Buck Booker used to always say, when talking about God's ability to control all of creation. He used to say, our God is large and He's in charge. And I've never forgotten that. God knows the trials we're facing. He knows what we're going to endure. He told us through Jesus and the apostles that we were gonna go through hardships, that we would face wars, famines, plagues, dysfunction in our families, job insecurity, Birth pains is what he called it, that would take place before his second coming when he comes back to bring all people who are his into heaven and to restore all things. He's calling us because he knows and because he's in control to take action, to step up to the plate and to take the tests and to look forward to the opportunities where we can prove ourselves. Because after all, we know that the end of the story, we know what is in store for those who believe it works out for our eternal benefit. Paul wrote to those who were being persecuted in Rome in enduring great hardship. He wrote in Romans eight verse 28, he said, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Again, I could camp on this subject of God's, con- God's ability to control um, all of his creation, and we could talk long about this. But the reality is, when looking at the Old and New Testament, it's proving a point that leads to the last thing that I want to expand on, the one thing that gives us confidence, the one thing that gives us our assurance to face the uncertain future, and that is the assurance of our salvation. Paul says this through the Holy Spirit in Romans chapter 8 verses 38 and 39. He says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see it's this truth with all the others that I've talked about today that I find come out of the context verse that we we started with in 1 Peter chapter 4. I feel that God is equipping us with truth, not just to deal with our past, but to deal with our present, as well as to deal with the future that we're going to face. And in putting all that to rest, having all those truths, we're now ready to look at the second aspect that comes out of 1 Peter chapter four, and it's that of our response. How, do, how can we, or how should we respond in Christ? And matter of factly, what does that response look like? I'm left with this question of, am I ready to respond? Are you ready to respond? And what would that response look like? I was talking to a counselor friend of mine. He's a pastor, he's an elder, and he's a good brother. His name is Jeff Clark, and I was speaking to him earlier this week about what it was that I was going to be talking about, and, and I, was, I was talking about, you know, what responding in Christ might look like, and he, 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 he led me to Scripture. He pointed out some, some areas of Scripture that reveal to us what a Christian responding looks like. He reminded me of, of the wedding feast that Jesus spoke about in a parable which then had me reminding myself of the unfaithful servants in this reality that we need to prepare first and foremost so that we can be ready to respond. Hardship isn't going to come as any surprise, nor should it. We should expect it living in a broken and sinful world. But rather than just sitting and waiting, he, he, he reminded me that we need to be ready according to scripture so that we could respond to the duties of the gospel, whatever they may look like. But then Jeff pointed me to scriptures that gave me a clear picture of what it does look like, what it means to be ready and to respond in Christ. He, he pointed me to what is found in James chapter 1, verse 27. It reads, and you'll see on the screen, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. It's to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. It's in the, it's in the looking after those who feel forgotten, those who, who, who need to be loved. And it's not letting go, it's not letting our anxieties and our fear pollute us in a way that takes away our ability to respond. And then he also reminded me of of the scripture that we read from Jesus. When with his very own words, he said in Matthew 25 verses 34 through 36, he said, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared. You see, Jesus is preparing, God is preparing, He says, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Looking at the very words of Jesus, we understand what it looks like to respond to a test. And how we can prove, our, prove ourselves. Looking at the pandemic that we're facing with today. And, what Jesus, and how Jesus said we could respond. Every single thing he said is being lived out today. The pandemic is affecting everybody. And Jesus has given us the example of how we can respond. He was the living example. The sacrificial example. To give us confidence to know that we can respond in kind without fear because our salvation is assured. There's a measurable joy that can be found through living for Christ in this way. He enables us to do so. And because of that, we can rejoice. So I'm getting to that point in my message now where I want to close. And the point I wanna make as I close is this idea or thought of finishing well. And I have a story that I feel complements it. This idea of finishing well isn't anything that I came up with. It's actually found in the Bible, surprise, as usual. Um, and this idea of finishing well is spoken of by the Apostle Paul. Paul talks or speaks of finishing well when he describes the athlete of his day. He talks about the athlete in in that they train, they develop, they work hard, and then they compete. They do all this preparation in an effort to test themselves and to win. Paul says they they run this race to win a prize, to prove to themselves that their training wasn't a waste. They want to finish well. To hear Jesus say those words that he said when he gave the parable of the tenants, well done, good and faithful servant. When I think of my life and when I meet Jesus face to face and I'm on my knees and I'm crying, I envision him picking me up and hugging me and saying, well done, good and faithful servant. That's the life I'm seeking to live. That's the treasure I'm seeking to find. You know, I can say I've seen that in the lives of people I've gotten to know in the faith over the years. And one story in particular is of a good friend. He was an older man. His name was David Thorne. And And David Thorne is an individual I met when I first got saved, when Jesus Christ first saved me. David was a husband, he was a father, and he was a brother in the Lord. He was a church elder. I could say all kinds of things about him. But most importantly, he was a Christian who finished well. I remember the day that I had heard that David got a a cancer diagnosis and that the prognosis wasn't good. I knew that I wanted to see my friend and encourage him. And I made my way to the hospital where he was, but I had fear in my heart because it was during that time of year When he was in the hospital that colds were going around and I was terrified that I'd be a carrier of something that might compromise his health and when I got to the hospital I guarded myself up and I sanitized myself a lot like we're doing today and um, and I went into his room where his wife and he were and I shared my fear with them but he brushed that off his shoulder he knew who his savior was and we had a great time of fellowship prayer rejoicing memories and then he walked me out the door (laughs) He, he escorted me out of the, the ward or the area of the hospital he was in, and still being fearful, I stuck my hand out to shake his hand, and if anyone knows me, they know I'm a hugger, and he certainly knew that, and he looked at my hand, he's like, what's that? And I said, Dave, I, I just don't want to, to risk your health, and he said, Sean, I know who my Savior is. My trust is in Him. He's assured my salvation and he gave me this huge hug. And I left the hospital with my heart full. And his example of finishing well is something I've always held in my heart as a reminder of what can be done no matter what we're going through when our faith and trust and hope is in the Lord. It's a a story that I pray serves to encourage you in these uncertain times. And as we seek to move forward as, as a church and as individuals, As we seek to finish well, I want us to remember the words of Isaiah, an Old Testament prophet. In chapter 33, verses 6 and 22, Isaiah said, He will be the sure foundation of your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is key to this treasure. For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, this is verse 22, the Lord is our king, it is he who... will save us. In the face of uncertainty, church, Christ is our foundation. In the face of uncertainty, He will save. He is mighty to save as the song sings. So if you are afraid, if you're isolated and feeling alone, I would encourage you to reach out because there are those who have been prepared and who are ready to minister, to step up to the plate and to take the test. To share, not just share the gospel, but to live it out so that you can have hope and then hopefully live out the gospel in your own life for those in need that you may know. Because it's in the death and more than that, the resurrection of Jesus, that we're able to do this. We are able to have peace. We are able to rejoice in the face of hardship and everything that may come in an uncertain future because of the finished work of Jesus and the fact that he's still with us through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. He's active today. And I pray and look forward. I pray for you and look forward to fellowshipping with you in the future at our church or wherever I have the chance to meet you. And I say, God bless.